What's up, people? Hotep Jesus, we back with another sharp conversation. My apologies for uh, not being able to get this conversation to you sooner. I was hit with a little bit of the C-19 bug, but I'm back. Feeling better than ever, rejuvenated. And it's so lit. First things first, hotepjesus.com, bryansharp.co. Go to my website. Obviously, many of you already know I'm a three-time author and uh, eight-time tech startup co-founder. I have eight tech companies I'm currently involved with. One of them is actually going up for sale shortly. Uh, so make sure y'all get in tune with that. Obviously, most of y'all know about Coinbits. Get in tune with Coinbits app. That's the uh, Coinbits.app. It's the premier solution for purchasing Bitcoin. Purchase Bitcoin automatically for you. Withdraw straight from your account, turn that thing into Bitcoin. You ain't got to think about it. You get a receipt as soon as it happens. And if you want to take that Bitcoin off of the platform and send it to your own wallet, you could do that too, no problems. Also, I'm involved with another crypto project called Let's Go Finance. Make sure y'all get in tune with them. We're talking like 187% APY on your crypto. Crazy, crazy returns. I don't know uh, if your traditional banks uh, can compete with that. But without further ado, I have a very, 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 very special guest for you today. Uh, he's a member of uh, President Trump's executive transition team, co-founder of New Spirit Revival Center, co-founder of the National Diversity Coalition for Trump, and 21st century theologian and scholar. I present to you the illustrious and coveted and to be honored, Dr. Pastor Daryl Scott. What's up, my brother? <laughs> man, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I hate intros, man. Uh, you know, because you can get caught up in your own hype. And I'm getting a little nervous when you say to be honored. Mm. Because I don't know why I keep getting this this visual of me being shocked with a grip deal on me, man. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I never know, man. I'm scared. <laughs> to be honest, I'm like, honored with what? A grip deal? <laughs> I love that. You know, hey, got- thanks for having me on, man. God bless you. Oh, absolutely, um, man. It's a pleasure. I don't like all that bio stuff. You ain't got to read that stuff, man. I mean, oh, no, it is what it is, you it, know? It's paramount. It's paramount, you know, when, especially when people come from the environment you came from and rise up the ranks of society. You got to you got to you got to list the credentials. I know, you know, I'm the same way. People list all my credentials. I'm like, ah, but it's very important for me to when I bring you on this platform to big you up because such is the great work that you've been out here doing. So, you know, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. What's up, man? Let's chop it up. What's up? How does it feel to be accomplished and black at the same time in America in 2021? How does it feel? Well, to be quite honest, the word accomplished is a relative term. Yeah. And it's very subjective as well. You know, one people, one person's, um, Elevation is another person's demotion. Mm. And so I always look at, you know, success or failure 
I always look at those type of things as relative terms. Mm. Uh, prosperity, poverty, I look at those as, as relative, even knowledge, wisdom, I look at those as relative terms, man. A lot of it is based upon the environment that you're in. You know, I had a I had a um, discussion with someone one time that called themselves learned, and we were talking about, you know, learned folks against, well, for lack of a better term, unlearned folks, and I said it's based upon the environment that you're in. Yeah. And they got to going back and forth. I said, well, tell me this. You know how to cut a kilo of cocaine? They said, no. I said, you know how to turn them into rocks? They said, no. I said, do you get out of this environment I came out of? And you stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's subjective. It's, 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 you know. And so, you know, but you look at, I've always been the type of guy, and this is something I don't tell people a lot because I know I don't like to influence people in the wrong way because I just go by what works for me. All my life, man, I have, I have really, really never set a lot of goals. Mm. And I've really never made a lot of plans. I've just taken um, life one day at a time mm -hmm. and try to capitalize on circumstances or situations that I find myself in and not miss opportunities. Mm. But probably because I haven't set a lot of goals, I have not received a lot of disappointment in life. Okay. A lot of times people will set goals and they'll wind up disappointed and frustrated or they get to a certain stage in life right. and say, well, I'm not a success. I'm a failure because I didn't reach the goals that I set for myself. Yeah. I try not. I get more disappointed about missing opportunities. Mm. I'll give you one right here that me and you can both laugh about. I met Donald Trump uh, back around uh, almost 12 years ago now. Okay. And I'm going to be honest. Back then when I first met, I liked the guy. You know, as a personality, he reminded me of me. Okay. I used to say that all the time. He's a, he's a white me. But the one thing I did know was this, and I know this coming out the streets, and you know what I'm saying when I'm about to say it. I said, look, I don't care what nobody say. Donald Trump ain't a bad connect to have. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was street right there. Yeah. I said, hey, man, hey, you say, but this was back in 2010. Okay. I said, but he's not a bad connect to have. Absolutely. And um, so, you know, once again, you try not to miss opportunities. How, I remember when him? I met him. I was, when I met him, I was in a room with several people, and I told myself then, I said, I'm going to be the last person out this room today. Okay. So, you, you know, these are things, this type of person I am, I said, man, I'm in this room. I'm going to be the last one out of here. Sure. I'm going to make sure... I make my presence felt and make sure I make my name known. And I'm walking out of here with relationship. But who knew, you know, five years later, this guy be, I mean, six years later, this guy be, yeah, six years later, this guy would be president. Right. Who knew back then? Yeah. You know? So you are a part of his transition team. First of all, I don't know what that means. <laughs> okay. But I want you to tell me what, what does that mean, right? To be a part of the transition team. But first, I want you to tell me, How'd you even get the gig? I, I want to be on the transit <laughs> you, you know what? When, he and I, when I met him in 2010, we became friends. Okay. And we stayed in touch over the years. Mm. Um, maybe seven, eight, nine, ten times a year we would talk. Once a month, every other month. Right. If I went up to New York, I would stop in, call and just say, what's up? And so he called me in 2015 and said, hey, man, because what people don't know, he was going to run for president in 2012 against Obama. 
Okay. And so we were going to do it back then. He decided not to do it. Mm. But he called me in 2015 and said, hey, man, I'm running. Uh, you, you rolling with me? And I said, yeah, I'm rolling with you. You know, because mm. we were friends, man. I'm going to be quite honest. If you told me you were running for the, the governor of whatever state you live in right now, you call me up, we're friends. I'm rolling with you, man. I don't know the other guy. Right. I'm like, Hillary didn't call me. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Right. Ted Cruz didn't call me. Uh, what's the guy's name? Um, Marco Rubio, none of them called me. Mm. Trump called me. Right. He was number 17 in the field of 17. Nobody gave him a shot. I thought he could, I used to tell him, I said, man, if you can show the people out there what I see back here, you'll win. Mm. They didn't give him a shot. They laughed at him, they mocked him, they clowned him. He said he went up that ladder and then he won. And I was like, what you want us to do? We ain't giving it back. Nobody thought he was going to win any one. So what you want us to do? You know, if he lost and bounced, I'd have bounced right along with him. That's the end of me. Right. But the guy messed around and won. So after he won, he called me. The election was in November. He called me the day after Thanksgiving. Mm. And he said, uh, what you want? And I said, what you mean what I want? He said, you want an ambassadorship or you want a, you want a, a position in the cabinet or something? I said, no, man, I don't want no job. Is you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want no job, man. I'm too old and set in my ways. I've been self-employed since 1985. I get up when I want to get up. I go to bed when I want to go to bed. And I do what I want to do, man. I said, man, I don't want no job, man. I don't want to be no ambassador. Then I got to move to that country. I don't want to do nothing. He yeah. said, well, what you want? I said, I just want to be a voice to the black community from the Trump administration and a voice from the black community to the Trump administration. Uh -huh. He said, well, you got that. So then come on and said, well, will you be a part of my transition team? Okay. And I said, what's that? Right. And what that was, was, you know, there has to be a, the interim period when he adjusts to being president and picking cabinet members, helping pick people and select people and, and different things like that. So that's okay. what that was. He had two different teams. I was on the executive transition team and we had discussions about who we should hire who we shouldn't hire and um to be quite honest i tell on myself they had regular meetings regular teleconference meetings i i, I showed up when i felt like showing them when i didn't feel like showing up i did so right <laughs> right 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 so you know i'm gonna be honest it wasn't all that deep to me okay you know my input was appreciated yeah and i'm i've never been bashful about adding my input. And I think that intimidated some of the other people because, you know, I don't have a problem with being myself and being black, no matter who I'm around. Right. And so, um, uh, you know, as far as anybody thinking that I was up there, Uncle Tom is shining shoes and tap dancing. Everybody know me no better than that. Right. They know better than that. They right. know better than that. In fact, um, you know, there was a, my partner Kareem and I, someone called us one time and said, man, you guys starting to get a bad reputation in political spaces. I said, well, what kind of bad reputation is that? He said, man, the word is, y'all keep going around cussing all these politicians out. And I said, well, it might be some truth to that rumor. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's wrong with that? Hey, man, sometimes when you're in Rome, you got to do like the Romans do, but you got to do it harder than the Romans do. Mm. You know, um, uh, that, you know, to be quite honest, what a lot of people thought was racial wasn't racial. It was cultural. At the time of Trump ran, he was a 69-year-old white billionaire. He's not going to turn his hat back or sag his blue jeans and act like he's bumping rap music to prove how black he is. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, and so people try to say it was racial, but it wasn't racial. It was cultural. Mm. But he didn't mind us being very frank and very free 
with our input to him. You know, I never did mince words around him uh-huh. and I never had to mince words around him. him. He and I had actually very frank conversations about race. I remember one time, and this is something people don't know. I remember one time during the campaign, I was riding in the car with him. We were, I think we were coming from Detroit. Mm. And I said, man, Puffy calling. See, people don't understand how many black people on the left are still Trump's friends. Mm. Puffy called him mm-hmm. when I was in the car. And Puffy said, man, you sound funny saying African-American. <laughs> Just say black. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he said, you know, Puff's here, Puff's on the phone, Puff told me. I said, man, don't say the African-American stuff. I said, you sound like the Aflac commercial. <laughs> I said, you be like African-American. You sound like Aflac, man. Just say black. Yeah. But then I said, but no, people might get offended with that. Just say African-American. Right. The very next day he's at a rally, he looks up. There's my African-American over there. I still remember that. (laughs) Afterwards, I said, man, you don't say it like that. Right. What the heck am I supposed to do? And we got a good laugh out of it. While everybody's draws is in a bunch about it. Yeah, and I laughed about it, man. I was like, man, what you want me to do? You know? Yeah. And I ain't gonna pull his pants down in public. Right. But people don't understand, man. Let me tell you something. Jesse Jackson called up to the White House on a regular basis while Trump was the president. He and Trump have been friends for a long time. Uh-oh. Jesse Jackson is a friend of mine. I've been friends with Jesse for a long time. Okay. When Trump was running in 2016, Jesse called me. You know what he said? What? He said, it's good that you're over there with him and you stay over there with him. In case he wins, we need somebody over there representing us. Wow. That's what Jesse told Yeah. And so Jeff, Al Sharpton called up there on a regular basis. He talked to Trump. Uh. I told Trump one time, and this is what... I'm going to tell you what kind of guy Trump is. Al and I had a debate on MSNBC with uh, when it was when they were opening up their civil rights museum down south. Okay. And so I was with Trump in the Oval Office about two days later, and I said, you know, me and Al were on MSNBC having a, a debate. He said, about what? I said, about you. What else do you think we're going to debate about? <laughs> I said, Al was trying to talk that same old smack, and I was giving it back to him. And you know what he did? He, he looked up, and you know how somebody looks up and they're being introspective and reflective? He looked up and said, me and I have been friends for a long time. He said he used to come around a lot, and he would come up to the club, and I'd let him in, and I'd yeah. donate some money to his thing. He said, we've been friends for a long time. And I'm waiting on him to do like I would have did. I'd have been like, that nigga, he said, what? He talked about me, and I would have started putting dirt on him. He didn't do it. All he said was, me and I have been friends for a long time. And that's uh-huh. it. And I said to me, I said, see, this is the kind of guy that they don't know out there. Right. You understand what I'm saying? You got to understand. When Trump first started running, he said, man, I'm a counterpuncher. I I rarely start stuff. You're talking about a guy who was a serious businessman that took himself serious enough to announce that he's running for president. Mm -hmm. And all of the people that he thought were his friends and all of these people that he knew and all the people he expected to see him as a serious businessman as well. Start calling him a clown, a buffoon, a joke, and just really just, hey man, I'm gonna be honest, his th- his skin is a lot thicker than mine. Mm. You understand? So then he starts hitting back. Mm-hmm. And they want to criticize him for hitting back. Right. So hey, man. You know, it's funny to me, but they just start mocking and ridiculing this guy. And he didn't think he deserved it. You right. know what I mean? And the people around him didn't think he deserved it either. You you said that. His skin is thicker than yours. Yeah. If you was in his shoes, you would have handled things differently? Like, how would you have? 
whatever names he called, put them names on steroids, and that'd have been me. <laughs> hey man, I'm telling you, I'd have been brutal. I'd have been vicious. He still had a modicum of decorum about himself. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so uh, I'm just glad I wasn't in that position. If I was here getting it like he was getting it, you know, because I'm like that now, you know, and I have to temper myself. They're coming at me on social media. You're Uncle Tom. I got to come back. Your daddy, Uncle Tom. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, even though, even though what they say doesn't really bother me. Yeah. But I enjoy hitting back harder. Okay. You know, it's some sick, sick psychological twerk I must have. You know, a lot of that stuff is funny to me, but yeah. I like hitting it's back. Fun. You know, you know, I'll turn on Twitter and I'll look up. You ain't nothing but a coon. And to be honest, it'll make me start laughing. And I say, this person <laughs> took the time out to type this out. So but I got to try to think, how can I come back with something that's that's worse than what they came with. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and to the point where you started on me, but I wound up making you block me. <laughs> mm. You look at it as like a little bit of fun challenge. Yeah, yeah. Now I don't take it personal. It, 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 you know, it's social media, man. It is what it is. My wife makes me erase a lot of the stuff I started to put. <laughs> yeah. yeah, put the phone down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, at one point, you said. Trump was the most pro-black president ever. Mm -hmm. And then Charlemagne the God lambasted you for that, right? Yeah. Um, did he ever invite you up there? No, nah, he ain't one of that smoke. <laughs> I find that I funny. I told Charlemagne's behind up up there. You know, <laughs> let me tell you something. I try not to say things that I haven't thought out first. Right. And I, 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 I can call myself articulating. You know, I was born under Eisenhower's administration. I've lived under 12 presidents. You got Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, mm -hmm. Nixon, mm -hmm. Ford, yeah. Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, uh, uh, Trump. I might have missed one in there somewhere. Carter. I missed oh. Carter. Mm -hmm. Right. So 12 presidents. When I said he was the most pro-black president, I qualified it by saying I'm in pro in the sense of being proactive. Most mm. of the legislation of any president during my lifetime, and when I said pro, I said he's the most pro-black president in my lifetime. Right. Most of the presidents, in fact, all of the presidents that initiated any legislation in my lifetime, it was always reactive. It mm. was most of the time it was in reaction to social unrest, social unheaval. Uh, of social norms. And so they'll implement um, affirmative action as a response, as a reaction to the disparities of Blacks in the working place. They'll do the Civil Rights Act as a response to civil unrest in the street. But here comes Trump mm. that's doing things that were not reactive. Right. The Opportunity Zones wasn't reactive. The First Step Act wasn't reactive in the sense that it was outside external pressure being put on him to do this, he did it simply because he was like, bring me something to do for black people. I want to do something for black people. What can I do? Mm. And people don't understand, anything he does has to be done from a federal level. A lot of things that black people want out of the federal government have, have to be obtained on a state or the local level. Right. They want the president to be able to do things that mayors and governors and council people can do. Right. And so he was like, bring me something that I can do. 
And the one thing we were adamant about with him was, hey, man, you got to undo that 1994 Clinton crime bill mm. that disproportionately incarcerated black Americans. Now, he can only do it on a federal level. Right. Because the federal government is over federal penitentiaries. A lot of blacks are still in state penitentiaries. And we had a prison reform board where we were bringing up the people from the state penitentiaries, trying to get, I mean, from the state um, governments, the different governors, to try to get them to do some type of ruling to relax those incarceration rates as well. Mm -hmm. But everything he did, he had to do it from a federal level. So the First Step Act affects federal prisoners more so than it does state prisoners, which is why a lot of guys, now they couldn't get out of jail early or whatever because they were in state penitentiary rather than federal penitentiary. But this was the kind of guy he was. Bring me something. But the Democrats say the First Step Act was already on the table before he got there. Had you ever heard of it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Jared, let me be honest. Jared Kushner was the driving force behind that. He called up myself, Kareem, Jerron Smith, Mm -hmm. uh, senior advisor, highest ranking black in the cabinet. Mm Jerron actually grew up with him. On my street. He didn't grow up with me. I'm much older than him, but he lived on the same street as me in Cleveland. But they really, really worked on the First Step Act. Um, but no, it wasn't already on the table. The Democrats always say that. It wasn't on no table. Right, right, right. Um, super Chats, if y'all got questions for Pastor Scott, drop a Super Chat. Shout out to Cats Can. Find out Super Chat. Banger, Hotep, and Bill. Appreciate you, homie. Big Poppy, 199. He said, learn how to enhance the grift. Yes, sir. Jabari, couldn't wait for this interview. Thank you. Um, yeah, I couldn't wait for this interview here. This is just crazy. So real quick, I got an off the cuff questions here. He was with Trump. Obviously, he was in the White House. Are there aliens? Do you do you have any information? <laughs> Man, you know what? I'm asking him about that now that you mentioned it, because I'm curious about Devil Must. I believe they're out there. Yeah. I, I really was- believe they're out there. There's a scripture in the Bible, unbiblical of mine. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, Rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Something is up there. And I believe Trump believes something is up there. I never asked him about it. If you and I had had this conversation the day before yesterday, yeah. I would have asked him because I was with him all day yesterday. Oh, and man. I was out in Mar a Lago yesterday and we were together. I would have asked him then, but I'm going to ask him now that you said that. <laughs> we, the people need to know does he have any information or Area 51, some declassified? I think he believes there is. <laughs> Knowing him, if I ask him, he's going to say, it's something up there. <laughs> right, right. And, have, and ha- the key question is has the United States government had contact with him? That's the key question. <laughs> uh, Area 51. I mean, if you look at some of those magazines in the drugstore, you got Bill Clinton shaking the alien's hand. You got Obama kicking it with the alien. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the National Choir and all of that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I think some people in the government is aliens. Um, let's let's move on to uh, something that's been very controversial recently. Have you seen the Stovall stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I looked at it. <laughs> Stovall nuked Candace. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he yes, He, he did. nuked her. He hit her with a scud missile. And he said there's more nukes to come. <laughs> Is that what he said? Yeah, he hit her with a scud missile. He said he got more coming down the line. Uh, what? What? He must, he must have provoked somebody to have uh, Project Veritas go undercover on him, right? What did he yeah. do? Or who did he piss off for them, for him to just come under fire like this or to be targeted for an undercover. What's what's behind this? 
he probably snapped in one of his lower level aides. Get up there and get that. You didn't do that. Shoot somebody out. And they got mad. That's all it is. Mm. That's all it is. And to be honest, he didn't say a lot of things wrong as far as I'm concerned. He didn't. He did not say a lot of things wrong. He's right about the GOP leadership looking for uh, a certain type of black person to get behind. I've had this same conversation with some uh, higher ranking GOP people. I say, man, why y'all always uh, picking those old uh, stuck up, staunch black dudes like they got a stick up there behind for y'all to get behind them? I say, man, black people don't identify with them folks. You're not going to get the black folk, black vote propping them up. I said, now you can preach to the choir. You can get all the ones you already have, but you won't get any new ones. But they said something that was very insightful. I said, black people don't identify with those types. He said, we know, but we identify with them. Those mm. are the ones we identify with. Mm. And once he said that, I, I, I was able to um, understand, it, they understand their mindset. These are the guys we identify with. We can't identify with Pookie and Ray Ray and, and, and those guys like that. And right. I said, well, you better get with them now. Because getting a candidate that simply maintains the status quo, that speaks to the blacks that we already have, you're not going to make any end rules. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. Right. I said, you've got to get some people that have cross-market appeal that can cross over, that a person can look and say, man, he's a Republican. But that's a, you know how we are, our people, that's a Republican, but that's a stand-up dude. Right. You know, yeah, yeah, he, don't, he doesn't come across as a sellout. I mean, I had a guy tell me out of Chicago, Mark Carter. Okay. Mark Carter used to be, Mark Carter was no joke in his day in Chicago, but now he's doing more street activism. He said, hey man, I can look at your swag and look at your body language when he was in there, and when I seen you on TV and up there with Trump and him, and I say, that ain't no coon right there. That ain't no Uncle Tom right there. I can tell, you know, my wife used to call me, would text me while I would be sitting there. Sit up in the chair, quit being broke down so much. And why you the only one in the room ain't got a necktie on, you know? Yeah. And, and, and um, But, you know, one thing about our people, and I love black people, man, we recognize game. And we have to be able to identify with with those that we're going to support. Right. And so that's what I told him. And so, you know, this guy was basically saying similar things to that. That, um, you know, but even though I'm going to be honest, he come across as one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He, does. he, he seemed a little soft, but still, right. there's a place for it. But um, yeah, he takes somebody off. Now. Do you think, do you think the Republicans actually want to make inroads with the black community? Yes. Yeah. I've had those conversations on the highest level. It's just that the Democratic Party has the Republican Party walking on eggshells so much regarding matters of race. You know, we're okay. so scared that we're going to say the wrong thing. We're so scared right. we might do the wrong thing. We might. Uh, oh, we don't know what to do. You go out there. And so you've got these people like Candace and them that have convinced them that they, I mean, I've told them in point blank. I've told them point blank. Anybody you can know in higher government, I've told them out of my mouth point blank. Black people hate her. Yeah. And it is what it is. Right. Now, I'm not saying that as a personal observation, but I mean, it's just being personal uh, denunciation of her, but her message that's a, that's is not appealing to the black community. Yeah. And so y'all try her out. I told, I told some people, I said, let me tell you something. And I said this to Donald Trump. I said, everything come out of her mouth. They said, it's coming out your mouth too. I said, because 
because of that proximity that she makes people think she has that she really doesn't. Right. But anything come out of her mouth, they're going to blame it on him. Think about it. When Ahmaud Arbery was killed, he went out and struck a sympathetic tone towards it. Yes, he did. And he did what, what he did everything he could do because once again, think about it. He's dealing from a federal level. Right. So the only thing he could do is send the Department of Justice down there to see if any of Ahmaud Arbery's civil rights had been violated, which he did, mm. which that investigation found out they were. And those killers, they also face civil rights allegations now against them. Okay. Because they've been uh, accused of, you know, they faced that. They've been charged with civil rights violations. Right. Trump did that. Mm. But because she comes right out with her mouth, yeah. he was no jogging. He's a crook. He just, he just come back. It nullified anything Trump was doing because of her big mouth. Mm. Mm. Yeah, her, you, you know her, what I'm saying? Yeah, her reach is so huge. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, these are some of the inner workings people don't understand that, that. And so she is convinced she had. But if you notice it, the Republican Party, the National Republican Party doesn't really have her on anything. You have some local and state level chapters. Okay. But as far as the, the hierarchy, no. You know, I've had I had that conversation with them back in 2017 or either 18. I said, man, look, y'all got to freeze that plantation rhetoric. Mm. I said, y'all sitting there, and I'm talking about, I said this it was Ronald McDonald, Ronald McDaniels, Bob Paducci was number two man at the time. Tommy Hicks was the number two man now. They were all in the room. And I said, man, y'all got to come on with that. Don't don't stand next to that plantation, I mean plantation slavery bull crap. I said, man, because you know. If we were to stand up and compare any Jewish person that supported the Democratic Party and say that they were Holocaust victims in a concentration camp, there would be a lot of offense there. Mm. I said, well, slavery was our Holocaust. Right. The, the plantation was our concentration camp. Mm. That crap is offensive. Yeah. And if you notice it, you really don't hear any white people using that terminology that's right. associated with the Republican Party. Right. All you hear is a few black people use it. And it's dumb. And it's offensive. And I don't like it. And I made it a point to tell them, don't use that. Um, it seems like, and I'm glad this happened, that there's been a line drawn in the sand between black conservatives and I'll say black conservative Inc. Right. I guess the Candace Owens Owens of the world would be the black conservative Inc. Right. <laughs> And then you have black conservatives like yourself, Sonny Johnson, et cetera, et cetera. What are the inroads that can be made to combat some of their rhetoric? Do you, do you think it's, it makes sense to attack them directly? Do you think it makes sense to go around them and go straight to the Republicans and say, look, it's not cool. Let me set you up with some better people to help you. Cause I just understand how they have people like Candace there, but Sonny's still down here. What, <laughs> what is the strategy to sort of combat that? Well, that? I'm starting to see a shift now. It's been, you know, to be quite honest, I think Republicans say to themselves, we've been hoodwinked. <laughs> we've been bamboozled. You know, I, I told this to Candace before, and I know Candace very well. Her and I were friends till she called herself going to get a shot at me. And I came back with bazookas and mortars and, and nuclear she bombs a shot at and all you? that. And she didn't want that smoke. Yeah, she called herself taking a, a shot at me one time. 
Um, about what? When uh, Ahmaud Arbery, and it was after George Floyd died. And what I said was, I said, I'm glad God had a chance to turn my life around because I could have very well been George Floyd. Mm. You understand? Mm -hmm. And she gonna get a, a shade in with some like, anybody paying attention to that, uh, uh, what did she call it? Childishness or something. Now, mm. wait, what did she say? Nobody's paying attention to that immaturity. Mm. So I came back and said, immaturity is being a thought in a past life and trying to act like you know, forgot about that thought life in this life. Hey, hey, you know what she did? She blocked you? No, not yet. Oh, you know what happened? What'd she do? So I start, I, I start going in. Now, now, okay, now you on my list. <laughs> right? Yeah. I should have pulled my phone out and show you the evidence. She got a white dude to call me. One of her donors. He <laughs> called her. He called me and my private career. I wouldn't call his name, but me and them friends now. Right. Man, I lit his butt up. We lit him up. Skip her and the horse she rode in on. And you too. Who the hell you think you calling? Who the hell you think you talking to? Is you call yourself threatening me? And, and all of that, right? I yeah. mean, we lit his butt up. I got the text. But I ain't gonna show it. <laughs> what did he we say? What did he up, initiate right? the conversation with? Hey, you guys, you better leave Candace alone. <laughs> you think you're talking to you must have that i don't know what you've been smoking you must have been smoking hey man i don't got much money you got i don't care if you're multi-millionaire i don't care yeah we lit his butt up right <laughs> i saw him my next time see this was some months back okay and and after he called himself cool now now i'm really on it right yeah i saw him election night at the white house right mm -hmm. i seen him over there i said that little punk so-and-so over there you know and so I, so I tried to be cool, but you know how you had that? I call it like the mercury in the thermometer when you see it just going up and you're trying to, and I had to go over to him. I said, hey man, I said, I, I went over to him. I ain't gonna call his name. I said, man, you know what? I ought to knock you out right now. Don't you never call yourself, come to me like that, man, I'll knock you out. And then he was like, oh man, I'm sorry, Darrell. I didn't mean it. Hey man, I didn't mean for it to go like that. And, and then I said, man, you was out of turn, man. I said, you don't know who you're talking to, man. I'll take you out, but I'll take you outside right now and break your butt in half right here on the White House ground. But you know what he told me? You know what he said? What? He said, man, what can I do when I was going back and forth with you guys? She was sitting right there in front of me. Oh. Wow. <laughs> so he's, you know, she's telling him what he said. She said, what did they say? They said, F you. <laughs> <laughs> These are the stories that I can't really tell. About. You got me. I'm, I'm spilling the tea, man. I just got the tea. <laughs> she called the white dude on us, man. We told his butt up. But you know what? Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be honest. That same white donor, yeah, called me about three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. and you know what he said? What he said? You guys were right about her. Mm -hmm. I put my hand on the Bible before God. Said you guys were right about her. I didn't see it then. I see it now. I remember telling her, I said, Candace, unless you are tracking what you're doing, unless you have a voter registration drive attached to this Blexit, mm -hmm. then you can tell anybody anything. Just blow smoke up somebody's butt. Right. I said, show me. I said, in church, when we send out evangelists or whatever, we have revivals, we would have testimony. We would have a list of new converts and we would have testimonies. Mm -hmm. I once was lost, but now I'm found. 
Uh, wow. Once was blind, but now I see. You, where are the people that will say, I was a registered Democrat. Mm. I heard Candace Owens' message. And because of Candace Owens' message, I stopped being a registered Democrat, and now I'm a registered Republican. Mm. Where they at? Mm. Give me 10. Yeah. Give me five. Recorded. Yeah. Right. That, you know, genuine, that can prove it. Here was my, I was a registered Democrat. I heard this message. I knew it was some bull crap. Mm. It was some bull crap from day one. Mm. I knew it when I would look and they would have a Black event and they would say, well, we had 800 people there and 785 of them was, was white. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Tatum told me that. The best, you know, me and him had it dust up a little while ago. He called me one time dissatisfied with her. He wanted to work with our Urban Revitalization Act. I said, man, y'all just had a meeting over there. How many people was there? He said about 800. I said, how many of them was black? Mm. He said about 15. <laughs> yeah. That's why he didn't want to go back. He didn't want to go down that path with me because he knows I could, I could repeat that. Mm. And so, you know, she started getting a little sour on us. One time we were at the White House and we were having a discussion on running, you know, what uh, some good candidates or what can we do to impact the black community? Yeah. And, uh, she was in there for whatever reason. I don't know. The, the, the person had her in there. And she turns around and said, well, I just had a black event and had 800 people there. And so my partner, Cream, said, yeah, but only 780 of them was white. I mean, was black. I mean, were, were white. Right. Only about 10 or 50. No, they weren't. You want to? He said, I got the video. I watched it. I can pull it up right now. He said, now you're sitting here trying to, you can tell them, but you're not reaching black people like that. Boy, she got mad. Mm. She got upset. And when it was time to leave, I'm leaving. She stopped out the room. I didn't care. You know, it's like, hey, man, you can tell them that stuff. But we're in here. See, here's my thing. If we're strategizing, working together, yeah, I'd rather have an inconvenient truth than a convenient lie. Absolutely. And so don't, if we're in here trying to be truthful with each other, what can we do to enhance, to help our community right. and to attract our community over to our way of thinking because we think our way is the better way? Don't sit in here lying and stuff to try to make yourself look good when, when nobody in here is trying to shine. We're all trying to strategize for right. the greater good. Right. And she's yeah. talking about her accomplishments instead of adding to, okay, what can we do? Where's Black to that now? I mean, it's just to me, to me, she hindered. I believe she cost us the black vote. She oh. cost us a, a larger portion because a lot of people equated her message with Donald Trump. Right. And the and whole you know conservatism. There was almost a there was almost a revolt in conservative blacks to say, if he rolling with her, I ain't rolling with him. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a groundswell because, you know, she started doing too much and saying too much, man. You know, the, even let, let's talk about George Floyd's instance. Okay. I come out the streets, you come out the streets. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm 63 years old, but even now, I, I'm being honest, I can show you on my phone because my best friend, he and I have been best friends since we were in the second grade. Okay. Over 50 years we've been best, 55 years we've been best friends. And he's still connected in them streets. And it's almost like every week I get a report on who died. So-and-so died, such and such that 90% of the deaths are OD, mm. right? Now, if you've got a guy, and these aren't rich guys. I have a friend of mine named Donald died. Donald been a junkie since we were teenagers, right? 
but he, his body has built up a tolerance level to the extent that he's, he's, you know, if you're a junkie and you're out there in the streets, you don't have that much money to deal with. Right. If you're used to doing hundred dollars worth of, worth of dope a day, and then one day you do that same hundred dollars worth of dope and you OD, something wrong with the dope. Right. Because your body has built up a tolerance to this, and so a lot of guys that I knew started ODing because of that fatty, because of fentanyl. Right. But here's the thing. Fentanyl is not a time-release OD. So when they were trying to promote this thing about George Floyd overdosing, I said, if George Floyd OD'd on fentanyl, he would have been od when the cops got there. Mm. They got there, he'd been sitting in the car out. Right. You don't OD on fentanyl, but you still have time to go pass a counterfeit bill, walk <laughs> back out to your car, resist arrest, uh, wrestle and shovel with the cops, and get a knee in your neck for nine and a half minutes, then you say, he, he OD'd? Right. Oh, man, everybody I know that's od you hit it and you quit it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you don't hit it and quit it an hour from now. Okay, right. <laughs> Off of that same hit. You right. understand what I'm saying? So right. I knew that was a, a bogus narrator. Mm. If he had od he would have been in no condition to even, he would have been incoherent. He would have been unconscious when they got there. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so that whole narrator, I didn't like it. And okay. I, I had words with them about that. And, mm -hmm. and, and once then I said, I can't, I gotta, I gotta separate myself from that. I can't, I don't want to be associated. By the way, be, people were judging him. Excuse me. By the way, people were judging George Floyd. Him or, or that, I have sympathy for the guy. I, have, I know a thousand George Floyds. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. And I can't say that the guy that chooses a dry high is the scum of the earth. Right. When I know a bunch of politicians that are alcoholics, mm. Mm. they choose their 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 higher preferences are wet high. Mm -hmm. His higher preferences are dry high, but they're both getting high. Right. So I'm not gonna say because this guy chooses a dry high, he's a filth and scum of the earth. Right. While these guys that got the wet high, I understand the citizens are just having alcohol problem. I agree. Or an opioid problem. I said, uh-uh. So I try to have some empathy for the guy. The first thing I said when he died, I said, man, that guy had people that loved him. Mm -hmm. He had mothers, brothers, sisters, whoever, people that loved him. You can't just write him off that filthy scumbag. He need to die. Right. What? Yeah. You're going out there advocating for, you're advocating for showing? Mm. Mm -mm. Yeah. I can stand next to that. What, <sighs> what else troubled you about some of the rhetoric, um, you know, that was negative towards, or was it mainly just the fentanyl stuff or it's just the- no. It's just the, the overall denunciation and condemnation of the black community. Mm. And I, 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 I like, I love being black. Mm. I love black stuff. I love, I can't say it on there. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love inward stuff. Yeah. But it's the positive inward stuff. Right. It's just stuff we do, man that no other race does, that I love it about it. I like, I love black music. I love black dance. I love black slang. I mm. love black swag. I love the way blacks are cool. Right. You know what I mean, black cool? Cool, yeah. cool is like beauty. Uh, you can't describe it, but you know it when you see it. Right. I love it. You know, I love the black swag. I love, I love all of that. And I'm not gonna say that all of the negatives of the black community are indicative of the entire black community. Right. I'm not gonna denounce the entire black community. I'm not gonna denounce the whole because of the indiscretions of a few. Mm -hmm. And you know, even with this recent 
school shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, someone was debating with me and said, well, he was a troubled child. I said, oh, he's a troubled child. But if a black dude do it, he's a murderous thug. Yes. And they said, well, he grew up where well, he had some problems in his home. I said, the black one is more propensity to be the troubled child. He's growing up in the projects. He's got all this stuff going on around him. He's suffering from poverty. He's suffering from, it's a, it's a threat to him just being able to make it to school and home every day. Right. Trying, who's the troubled child? Right. This white boy living in the suburbs with a financially prosperous home and a two-parent home? But this black kid over here, this, 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 he don't know if he's going to make it home to school every day. Don't give me that. If he's white, he's a troubled child. But if he's black, he's a murderous thug. Yeah. I don't like that mindset. Right. I totally and agree. So that entire rhetoric, when I see you, you defend the Kyle Rittenhouse. And I ain't got no problem with Kyle. In fact, I like Kyle. I like Kyle Smack. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Cool. Yeah, he, he on point. Kyle now. Cool. Yeah. I like Kyle. But, you know, you're, you're, you're defending. It's just like you automatically take sides against. The, the blacks are all guilty until proven innocent right. to, to these people, to, to, to this segment. Right. And it's only a few. It's not a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But the white people platform them because it, it, validates or authenticates the, the stereotypes that they believe. Right. And instead of them trying to unlearn the white community in those stereotypes, they reinforce the stereotype to them by saying yes. And so now I'll go out there, she'll go out there and that, 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 that. Black people get offended and they say, well, Candace is speaking truth or she's, she's, saying, she's saying what needs to be heard. No, she's saying what you want to hear. Right. And, and that's what it is. But she doesn't speak for the masses of blacks. She doesn't speak to the masses of blacks. She speaks to the white choir. <laughs> I agree. I agree. You know, the thing I thought about was, you know, we can say, you know, all this stuff about the Democrats, right? But from a political strategy, they do what you're supposed to do if you want to secure the black vote, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought like, okay, here we have Republicans, conservatives. I call them uh, red whites. Here we have the red whites who, if they were concerned about the black vote and they see a George Floyd incident, the first thing you should do is, because they always like to say, oh, you black, you American, ain't you? All right, this is an American that died. Let's remove race from this completely. An American died. The first thing you would do is show compassion. Yeah. Show compassion that a life has been taken. Whether justified, unjustified, that's the first thing, even as a Christian, that's the first thing we have to do. Right. That's the first, as a, as a, as, as a human being on this planet, we have to have compassion. Politically, political strategy, imagine if, and I don't blame this on Republicans, the, the, the politicians, I think, and maybe you can agree with this, it's mostly the influencer, we call them the grifters, that like to just, take that hard angle and speak to the base in a plain old talking points. Do you see the same thing? Yeah, I see the same thing. You're exactly right. I had a conversation with, uh, I was on someone's television program and uh, she, was, she was talking about the Republican Party with the black vote, right? And I said that the, black, the, the Republican Party refuses to campaign to, to the black community, right? Right. Uh, and so I said, they need to step up their campaigning and their messaging to the black community. And she said, well, I said, one of the reasons we lose critical elections is because we don't want to spend any money campaigning in the black community. Okay. And she said, well, you know, we just think the black community needs to hear our message and we don't have to pander to them. 
they should hear our message and embrace the message of self-empowerment and economic empowerment. I said, you don't have to pander to them, then why in the hell is you pandering to the white community? Why can't they? You spend billions in the white community. Mm. I said, don't tell me you don't want to go to the cookout and, 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 and the barbecue when you're going to them whack Lincoln dinners. You're going to the, the Lincoln Day dinners and you're going to all the white stuff. Don't tell me you don't want to go. They're going to the black stuff is pandering, but going to the white stuff ain't pandering. I said, mm. if that's the case, why are you spending billions on convincing whites to vote for you but you feel like you shouldn't have to spend money to convince blacks to vote for you. I said, see, that's what's wrong. Mm. Now just say you don't want to do it. Yeah. See, in the past, they didn't need it. I said, that's what the problem was. In the past, you didn't need it. But you know what happened? The black community has woke up, that sleeping giant done woke up. And that sleeping giant realizes the power of the voting, that black voting block. And they ain't going back to sleep. Mm. They're not going back to sleep, so you better do whatever needs to be done to get them both. Joe Biden and those Democrats say anything needs to be said. <laughs> Talk about uh, hostile. Okay. Joey Smollett is innocent. Uh, <laughs> my thing shouldn't have broke in. They can't. Whatever they got to do, they do it to get that vote. Right. And so, you know, y'all need, need to stop listening. They, they need to stop listening to the people you shouldn't only listen to people you agree with. Yes. Just be open to hear another side and say, listen, what they're doing, that ain't, them influences, that ain't working. They sold y'all a bill of goods. They didn't move the needle at all. That's one thing I said. I said, if you're following an influencer or grifter and they've never said a couple of things that you just vehemently disagree with, you're getting shafted. Yeah. You're getting fooled. I'm going to read some yeah. super chats, and we're going to come back to the black conservative uh, conversation. Um, Steph Colonel, $2 super chat, said, we need a Stovall interview ASAP. Hey, somebody hooked that up. Uh, Cannon Hotep, salute, convo, plantation talk, didn't do conservative ink, no favors, true. Jabari Allen, $5 super chat, he said, talk to me, Pastor Scott. Shout out to Jabari. Uh, Cannon Hotep said, people like Candace and Tatum lump black folks in as a whole saying what white conservatives can't say for them. That's a good point. Is that what it is? Is are they saying what some white conservatives can't say? I believe they're saying what they would like to say. You know, I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. Skip it, I'm out here. When Candace Owens <laughs> left TPUSA, uh -huh. you know what she told me out of her mouth to my face like I'm talking to you? Uh-oh. She said, that's the real plantation. See, that's the Candace I know. What's the that real plantation? The one they know. She said TPUSA was the real plantation. She told me that out of her mouth. Out of her mouth. Like I'm talking to you right now, one-on-one. -on -one. Why did what did she mean by that? Whatever she meant by the Democratic Party being plantation, she said to me, TPUSA is the real plantation. Now see, I didn't run tweet it. I didn't run post it. Yeah. But she can't deny that she said that to me. Mm. I'll tell you where, when it happened, where it happened. She said it out of her mouth. So see, that shows the hypocrisy of the entire thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Say one thing, do another. Wow. Um, Man, you find yourself in circles that you never imagined you'd be in, and you, you get in there one way and figure you gotta be a certain way to stay in there. Right. And you know, you'll look back later on in life, and when you have those moments of reflection and introspection, like I tell people all the time, hey man, if I'm lucky, I'm talking about extremely lucky. Mm -hmm. I'll get 27 more years on this earth. Mm -hmm. I'm 63 now. Right. If I live to be 90 and I die, none of y'all will be sad. Y'all be like, 
He died? Yeah, how old was he? 90. Oh, well, hey, I ain't 90 years old. What you want? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So the older you get, you should be more reflective and, and looking back on life. And you try to tell yourself when you get to a certain level was, hey, man, as long as I was true to myself and I, I, I wasn't selling out and I know in my heart that I wasn't doing that. And, you know, anybody can look back and say, you know, I should have said things differently. I should have done things differently. You know, uh, it is what it is. And I really believe that they got caught up. You know, a lot of people just don't have the moxie in private with who they consider to be powerful people that they'll have in public or on social media. So you'll be mm. bold and aggressive in public. But when I look at you in private, I look at your body language and your knees are together and your hands are like this and you, you adapt a more passive, docile position. Uh, you understand what I mean? When you get around them, them, them Yeah, them when donors. you get around who you, yes, mm -hmm. yes. You lose your swag. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. that's a lot of them like that. It's a lot of people like that. You know, I think there's a difference between you and other black conservatives. And I think the main thing is connectedness to the black community. Right. And obviously, you know, you know, the, you came up, you understand the street life, right. Through and through. And I've been pastoring for 28 years in the black community. Mm. So I'm not, I deal with black people. That's what I do. You know, right. I, I'm with the community. I'm in the community. And so I, I think I have an understanding on it. They're, they're probably more astute politically than I am. Mm -hmm. I don't delude myself into thinking I'm some master politician. Right. I'm just looking, man, I'm out here from why and I'm rolling with it. Yeah. And so I got to just do the best I can in whatever environment I am and try to be a quick learner. You know, so they're probably more astute polit uh, politically and more knowledgeable and versed in political conservatism than I am. Right. Uh, and so, but I don't try to delude myself into thinking that I'm other than I am. Right. I just feel like people who have a close proximity with the black community and have had so for a long time know how to connect with them, know how to speak the language. Yeah. So when they choose these black conservatives to represent, they keep choosing people who don't have that close proximity to the black community. And I feel as though they should just take those black conservatives and say, look, go be our token to the white demographic. Yeah. Right? yeah. And then have people who have close connectedness to the black community speak to the black community. Yeah. And I think we can make huge inroads as far as swaying that vote. Man, listen, both my brothers, my younger brother just got out the penitentiary. My older brother was in the penitentiary. They've both been on dope since we was teenagers. Uh, all my close nephews are all in the joint right now uh, for different things. Um, aggravated assault, attempted murder, whatever. You know what I mean? So, And I still am in regular contact with them on the phone or whatever, and I still have to be able to go out there in the community. You know one thing about it? When they were going up in people's churches that were Trump supporters and everything, ain't nobody come up in mine. Because everybody in my neighborhood and everybody in Cleveland know, don't come over there with that crap. That nigga, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't the one. You know right. I'm but they know Black Lives Matter came down a street, walked right past my church, didn't touch it. Mm. And as a result, you don't hear me going all out there on them like that. 
Right. You know what I mean? They, I understand what they're doing and you know what they're doing. I'm not a supporter at all right. of the of the organization. Yes. Even though I talked to Tamika Mallory. In fact, she was going to come on my TV show with me. Mm. She told me she would come on. But, um, you know, one thing I told the Republicans when I had that meeting with, um, and you, I know you'll agree with this, when I had that meeting with uh, the hierarchy of the GOP, mm-hmm. first of all, I'll tell you something funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, my partner and I, Kareem, went to the GOP headquarters in D.C. to have a talk with the hierarchy there. And when we're walking in, if you've ever been in there, they got all these pictures on the wall, on every floor, down the hallways, photographs on either side of all the prominent Republicans and all that. So we go all the way upstairs and we walk in and Kareem looks and says, hey man, y'all need to get some black people up on this wall. <laughs> Ain't not a single black picture of nobody up there. Uh. So that's how we rolled in, man. Y'all better get some black people up on this wall. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I love that. I'm saying, y'all can't put not one black person, ain't been not one, can y'all put Clarence Thomas up there, somebody? All I'm seeing is white person after white person after white person after white person. Put some black people on this wall, on these wall of uh, uh, fame for the Republican Party, because there were none there. And then after that, every time we see them, we say, y'all better get some black folk up on that wall. That's all I know. But <laughs> one thing I told them was this, I said, listen, here's what y'all don't understand. Regardless of what side of the political aisle we're on, our blackness still connects us. And that's something you ain't gonna mm. be able to take, take away. Mm. Our blackness is gonna still connect. I don't care if you're a Demo- black Democrat or a black Republican. Our blackness still connects us. There's a commonality there mm-hmm. that's distinctive to our people, that mm. our blackness is still gonna connect us regardless of who we support politically. Right. You understand? Unless right. you just come out and just be so anti-black like some of these people, like you just hate black people, but our blackness still connects us. And I have a lot of good friends that are Democrats. I have a lot of friends on social media that I interact with. We bust each other's chops and everything, but we keep it respectful. And they're Democrats. Right. And it is what it is. But the one thing is, I'm not going to insult anybody into becoming a Republican. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the wrong thing. You can't thing. do that. Yeah. Yeah. I had somebody tweet to me earlier. They said, you know, Hotep Jesus, Uncle Hotep has done more for the black community than Black Lives Matter. And I didn't agree with that statement. And I think it's mostly their ignorance speaking because you have Black Lives Matter Global Network and we understand the sham that that is. But there are also like local chapters that you can't discredit. You yeah. can't discredit the work that they do in the community. I don't. I can't go into the specifics of it. They all. just don't get the publicity. Correct. Yeah. There's Black yeah. Lives Matter chapters that have exposed Black Lives Matter Global Network, BLMChapterStatement.com. There's Black Lives Matter uh, chapters who are combating black on black crime, and that's such a big thing. You know. So here's where a number of our black quote unquote influence has have missed it. And this is something that I think we, and I've mentioned it to several prominent Republicans, this is something we're gonna have to work on. You know, they wanna get there, they wanna denounce the Al Shot. Al and I know each other very well. They wanna denounce Jesse Jackson. Jesse and I have been friends for years. But here's the thing, there are no black activists on the right. Whereas if one of our people feels as if they suffered an injustice that a black 
Republican, a black person on the right will go get that person and bring their plight or their uh, circumstance to national attention mm. and say, we've got to rally around these people until they get some type of justice. Mm. We don't have that. So you can, mm. you can dog out all you want to them, but they're serving a purpose. Hey man, let me tell you something. If they, if they came over and shot me, somebody shot me or they did me wrong and killed my kid, a cop killed my kid or whatever. I'm not going to ask what your political affiliation is if you say I want to come alongside and help you. Right, right, right. Now, if Al shows up, that's not an indictment on Al. That's an indictment on all the others that didn't show up. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? And so when somebody wants that justice, when a Tamir Rice mother wants justice, when Trayvon Martin's family wants justice, when Sandra Bland and Freddie Gray and Michael Brown, any of these people need justice, the right is mute. The right immediately starts looking for a reason to justify that injustice. Yes. My first inclination when a black person gets killed by police or anything, my first thing ain't to let me try to Google up that record to see if they ever did anything <laughs> wrong. What kind of sick, psychotic nonsense is that? And I gotta find out what they did wrong so I can tell it to everybody so that we can justify this, this innocence murder. Yes. Uh, yes. And so as a result, we're the reason why. The right is the reason why. The Al, we're empowering the Al Sharpton's and them, not the left. Mm. Empowering them through omission or empowering them through absence. Right. Right. We'll show up in mass for Kyle Rittenhouse. Yes. We're silent on Ahmaud Arbery. We're vocal against Jussie Smollett's stupid self. (laughs) 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 But we're silent. You know, it's, it's just sad how the right was behind Derek Chauvin. Right. You know, that, that's, the, that's the impression given to the American public, mm-hmm. that the Republicans stand behind this guy. Mm-hmm. And, but, but they're not standing behind the Capitol Police officer that shot Ashley Babbitt, and he's Black. Ahmaud Arbery, oh, he, he, went, he went into a house. Ahmaud Arbery went into a house that was under construction. He had no business going in there. This chick breaking out a window, going into the Capitol. <laughs> and the said, stop it. She ain't stopping. He popped it. Then he went on TV and said, I'll pop her again if she did it. <laughs> now, she's the victim patriot. It's a different set of standards, man. So I mean, it's very unfortunate what happened to her. It is. But I believe if she'd have been black climbing through that window and mm. got popped, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be the same. You know, it wouldn't be the same. So let me ask you this. <laughs> is it racism? Is racism, is it the fact that, and when I say racism, my definition of racism is you care about your people first and foremost and everybody else comes second. That's what I call it. Race is not, most people say racist because I hate you. No, it's not. Right? That's, that's, not, not, that's not racist. No. You're saying the same thing that I said back. I called Hillary Clinton a racist back mm-hmm. in uh, during the campaign with Trump, and I said you have to understand racism is not always evil right. and wicked and mean. Right. I said if a person thinks 
that you are inferior to them to the point that they have to be benevolent, benevolent to you. Mm. I've got to give them and I've got to do for them and I've got to help them because they're, they're less than me and they're inferior to me. That's just as racist as somebody to say, I hate you, nigga, I want to kill you. Well, it's just as racist. That's the it's same argument they use. That's the same argument they use for eugenics. That's yeah. the same argument they use when they was measuring skulls and doing IQ tests. Yeah. So yeah, you're absolutely right Right in that. There's but, an element of racism in American society. Mm -hmm. I don't even know why Tim Scott let them trot his butt out there like a sacrificial lamb and say <laughs> racism in America and he immediately gets called Uncle Tom's stuff. What do you say? He immediately gets assaulted with racial slurs when he said there's no racism. Remember Tim Scott got up uh, as the rebuttal to the DNC and said there's no racism in America, that America's not a racist country. <laughs> Listen, know. man, racism. Is it's ra a perception. Mm -hmm. It's sad. Mm -hmm. But Blacks are perceived as automatically wrong. Mm. And, you know, it's a perception, like, I'll give an example. My wife and I arrived through a certain area in town or certain areas in town in suburban areas, and it'd be a bunch of white kids at night out by a mall with skateboards, and they're out there being loud and this and that. And no one feels threatened. Right. But if that same group was Black doing the exact same thing, mm. police would show up and tell them to get the hell out of there. Right. There's just... There's just a perception in America that Blacks are automatically a threat mm. and that they're usually the guilty party in any, any, any um, exchanges between Blacks and whites. I mean, it's, it's, it's at least the Democratic Party is putting up, I don't know if it's a pretense of this or real, but they're at least saying that we want, we acknowledge this. Yes. And we want to endeavor to address it. You understand what I mean? Right. right. Um, whether they're whether they're genuine or not. Right. Whether they're genuine watched, or not. Herschel uh, Walker is a friend of mine. Okay. His son needs to shut up. Uh, I watched this guy tweet. This guy tweeted out and said he's sick of seeing all these black people in in worst respect. He's sick of seeing all these black people in TV commercials. And my response was, yeah, I mean, I, I, is it just me? Or is y'all only tired of seeing these black couples in all, all the TV commercials now? And he had a whole lot of people that agreed with him. And I said, man, look, white couples been on TV for 70 years. Yeah. Blacks been probably on TV in commercials for six months and you whining about it? <laughs> God, dog, can we have a turn? I mean, when I grew up, my wife used to say this all the time. Mm -hmm. Ain't no black people on this show. Ain't no black people on this yeah. show. When you think of all the great shows from the city, we would have a black show or two black right. show. Right. But as far as blacks being featured characters in shows and blacks in commercials, you never did. You wouldn't see it. You didn't see it. And now that you're seeing it, because they're making an effort to balance the scale, mm -hmm. you got folk got a problem with it. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's an point. inherent underlying racism. Do you, do you think that his motive behind that is just pure pandering to his base because he knows it's scoring some points? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that is. <laughs> you know what it is. Mm. These folks get high off lights. <laughs> <laughs> That's their fat dog. 
Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I gotta get likes. I gotta give me some likes. I gotta give me some likes. You know, I need some likes. Yeah. It's a drug. I wanna trend. I wanna trend. I wanna trend. They don't care. I need that viral tweet today. Yeah. 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 It's a drug. It's a drug that I've definitely weaned myself off of. Some days it's just like, if I don't tweet, I just don't tweet. Yeah. You know, I, and that's not the entire basis of your life. I mean, right. you have an obligation because you do have people that look to you and for you and they want to hear your perspective on things. But yeah, that's still not the driving motivating force of your life. I think the real work is offline. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, I mean, to be honest, I've been pastor my church for 28 years. I've I've spent millions in and on the black community, mm. but I'm not about to go down and type it all up and tweet it in every time. <laughs> hey man, let me tell you something. I can produce, I have awards from the NAACP. I have awards from the SCLC. I've, I've done a lot of community work. I've got a lot of awards from those organizations. Um, uh, I worked with the Bush campaign when he ran, mm. but I voted for Clinton. I voted for Bush. See, my thing, I always voted the person, not the party. Right. And so I voted for Clinton. That's why, like I said, those other conservatives are more astute politically than me. I voted for Obama the first time. I know Obama. Obama's been to my church. Mm. I knew when he was Senator Obama. Mm. I just didn't like the Negro. <laughs> I didn't like it before he was president because I didn't like his personality because he's not a people person. Uh. He's not a people person, man. Right. Uh, and I was in the room with this guy. He's sitting in my office mm. at my church, eating my shrimp and my celery sticks, my dippy stuff. <laughs> and I'm with this guy like I'm with a chick on a first date when I'm 15 years old. You know what we used to do? <laughs> What's your name? Joyce. Where you live? That's how I felt with this guy. So I was talking to him for a while, and this guy's hitting me back with one word replies to my conversation because I wasn't in there being a band. Bum, so you know what I did? I left the Negro in there. I told my dude, I said, man, when this cat ready to go, man, walk him out. I left him in the room by himself for an hour. When he ready to go, man, y'all, y'all walk him out. The game was on. I'm trying to talk about the game. And, and it's not, he's been, he was he was there for a fundraiser. I let the party use my church for a fundraiser. Uh, Sheriff Brown was using it. And he brought Senator Obama in as a speaker. I meet the guy, what's up, man? You know, you're trying to come across as cool in front of them cameras. Let's see if you're cool behind the scene. Yeah. He didn't have much of a, I know another lady that, um, a makeup artist. She said, I was in a room with this guy for an entire hour and he didn't say one word to me. One word. He said, that chair, and I'm not like that. I have to be personable. Right. You know what I mean? Me too. To a fault. Yeah. I could do, I like, and that's one thing I like about Trump. Trump has a gift of making the littlest person in the room feel like the biggest person in the room. He's not an elitist at all. Right. You know, when I would, be with him during the course of the campaign. I'll have different guys with me. He'd be like, hey, who was that right there? Oh, that's my dude, Drew. Hey, Drew, come on, man. Come on over. Get in there. Come on, take a picture with me, man. What's up? You know, that's the kind of guy he was. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's like, I know a guy, he, he's seen the guy and he had his wife with him and his kids. And he said, uh, y'all going to eat tonight from the campaign trail? And a black guy. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, Trump reached his pocket. He said, let dinner be on me. Reached his pocket and gave the guy $300, right? Mm. And go eat with three one hundred dollar bills. So afterwards, I said, "Hey man, what'd you do with that money?" He said, "Oh, I went and spent it." I said, "You spent it?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "Man, you should have had Trump autograph them doggone dollars. <laughs> you could have sold them things on dog on YouTube and got paid for." <laughs> I said, "You've been the only man on the face of the planet Earth with three one hundred dollar bills autographed by Donald Trump. Man, you know how much money you could have got for them things?" <laughs> he he might have got six figures. He marketed it right. 
when Trump did his Black History speech a couple of years ago, right? When he got through with the speech, he handed it to me. Hey, you want this? You got it? I said, hold on, sign it, man. He said, I said, sign the back too. He yeah. signed it. He said, oh yeah. I said, yeah, because I'm taking these suckers to eBay. You know what he looked at me and said? You know what he said? Because, you know, he's got an ego. He looked at me and said, oh, you'll probably get a lot of money for him, too. <laughs> That's real. Yeah, I mean, man, sign these suckers. I'm selling these things, man. Yeah. I'm about to get paid. <laughs> but he's got that. He's got it. He's like that genuinely and in private. Mm. When, when, the, when the lights are on, he's just a people. He's the kind of guy that'll be at the hot dog stand Kicking it with the hot dog man. Mm-hmm. Like, my best Trump stories I can't tell in public. I know. I know it. I know it. But I tell one. Okay. I, um, he introduced me to this lady one time. She was about 73, 74 years old. Mm-hmm. But you could tell back in the day she used to be nice. Okay. And she was black. Okay. And she came up, hi, Donald, how you doing? He talked to her and he... And after she walked off, he looked at me and he said, that's the one I shouldn't have let get away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He liked the sisters too, huh? <laughs> hey, man. I'm telling you, man. Oh, man. It, ain't, it ain't what they try to say out there. If the cat was racist, I wouldn't be rolling with it. Right. You know, the very first thing I ever said to Trump the day I met him was, because the day I met him, I was invited because he was thinking about running in 2012. This was late 2010. The very first words out of my mouth to this guy, my hand to God, was, hey, man, what make you think some black people will vote for you? Word on the street is, you a racist. That's the very first thing I ever said to him in my life. Mm. And he came back to me and said, hey, man, I can't be a racist in my line of work. I got to work with all kinds of people in all walks of life. I couldn't be a racist and do what I do. But then after that, he ain't trying to convince me he wasn't a racist. He done started saying, well, I had a black friend in third grade. Right, right. And, uh, I knew a black dude over there. He didn't do that. And so I'm sitting there trying to wait and see it. Yeah. You know, you know, waiting for racism. I always say racism is like beauty. You can't describe it, but you know it when you see it. Mm. And black people, we have a racist radar. They're just a little stuff like they don't want to put that touch your hand when they put them coins in your just little stuff. We're able to pick up on all the subtle racist behavior that really you can't even put it in the words. Yeah. And I was looking for it, man, and I didn't see it. Mm. I didn't see it then, and I haven't seen it to this day. Mm. I, I, you know I, what I mean? I, I 100% believe you. Um, we got one more question for you. I'm going to read two more Super Chats. I'm going to let you get out of here. Be respectful of your time. Catch the king, $2 Super Chats, and Pat Scott Spitting. Yes, he is. This is another classic, epic interview. Um. Man, I gotta come back. We, we do this for hours. Oh, uh, listen, you you definitely gotta come back. We've just scratched the surface of things. Um, I didn't get through even we twenty percent of the questions. Um, the the right uh is too reactionary, no counter punches. So true. All right, so last question. I'm let you get out of here. Trump twenty twenty four. What's going on with that? Are you gonna be involved with that? What can we expect from Trump in the next election? Or can uh, can you say? <laughs> he, I was with him in bed minister a couple months ago, right? Okay. He said, if I run again, if I go back in, you coming in this time, right? And, and I said, he said, and why didn't you come in last time? And I said, man, because I done got fired. <laughs> <laughs> I said, man, I done got fired. I said, because, you know, 
I'm set in my ways. I said, I'd have been the worst employee up there. I'd have got fired. Now, I come back in, if I ain't got to do nothing that I got to do, right. I'll take a senior advisory position. But if he goes in next time, I probably I will go up there with him because he said, you know what he told me? He said, the mistake I made last time was surrounding myself with a lot of people that weren't for me. Mm. He said, if I had to do it over again, mm -hmm. you know, I let external influences and trying to unify the party and let these these never Trumpers and stuff. He said, I wouldn't have did it and I wouldn't do it again. Mm. Uh, but you know, the one thing I did tell him, I said, listen, me and you are friends. We're going to be friends. In fact, he said something to me a couple of weeks ago that touched me a little bit. I'll tell you the minute though. I said, right now, you and I have a horizontal relationship. Yes. If I come to work for you, I said, now you're my president. So that's them. I said, but if I come to work for you, now we've got a vertical relationship, mm. you know, because me and him have had, like when I was up in Bedminster that day, me and him was having, we had a knockdown drag out. You know, we, I got that. we was, we was back and forth, back and forth, arguing like two <laughs> Negroes in the street, man. Until finally, because I was trying to impress upon him, man, you got to do this and that. And he was giving me pushback. Finally, he was like, down, down, down. Hey, man, look, I don't give a damn what you say. Say whatever you want to say. I don't care. Because I was telling him, I said, man, well, I'm going to go out here and do this. I'm going to need you to back me on it. I don't care. Whatever you say, I'm yeah. back. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> if the election was tomorrow, he's running. But still 24 is a while, a while away. Right, right. You, you see what I mean? Yeah. But he said something to me. We were talking about some candidates recently, and he said something to me. He said, well, who are you going with? It was in a certain race. He said, who are you going with? And I said, I'm waiting to see who you go with. Mm. I said, I'm going to go with whoever you go with because I don't want to be publicly that you and I have a disconnect. Yeah. And you know what he said? He said something that, that was profound. He said, man, you and I could never have a disconnect. He said, you're not just my friend. You're my brother. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> hold on, man. Let me get this on video. You know what I mean? <laughs> But, you know, he said that to me, and it, it kind of touched me a little bit. I said, wow, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because he and I, I have to be honest, we have a very good relationship that I believe he talks to me about stuff that he don't talk to other people about. Mm. And, I, I, you know, I, I, one of my very best stories, though, I think I'll tell this one. Okay. one of my very, and this is the kind of stuff I love about this dude. One of my very first best stories was 2016 campaign, right? Now, remember when all of the uh, accusations of these women were coming out? He groped me and he groped me and this and that stuff. Yeah. Remember Hillary in the yeah, yeah. And so he's going down the stretch. This was after that Billy Bush tape. And he's going down the stretch doing like four and five rallies a day. And so he had a rally. His last stop, and it was a couple of days before the election. His last stop was in Cleveland. And I rode with him on the plane. And I'm like, you're going to let me off. And, and I mean, I've been with him earlier, but I was going to wait for him in this Cleveland one because I'm from Cleveland. I live in Cleveland. Right. right. So he comes in. He gets there around midnight. 20,000 people there. And he comes in and uh, he shot the, shot the breeze, you know, greeted everybody. So he's coming standing with me. Now, he and I are standing here right behind the curtain mm -hmm. where he goes in. And so I said, and I'm thinking of it in a different way. I said, hey, man, let me ask you something. He said, what I said is... Uh, is Melania busting your chops about all these women mm. coming up, accusing you? You know, because if it was my wife, I'd be dead. Yeah. And so he looked at me and said, yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> he said, why do you think I'm doing five rallies a day? 
That's not the funny part. Okay. That's not the funny part. So he says that we laugh. And they say, and this was during the campaign 2016, they said, introducing the next president of the United States, Donald Trump. And he walks out the curtain, right? And I'm still standing there. And everybody, yay! The next thing I know, man, he pops back there with me and says, but at least they're not saying I'm gay. Uh, <laughs> and he turned around and went back out. Oh, my man, this guy kills me. He kills me, man, all the time. That's what we hey, man, this guy kills me. He's one of them dudes, when I wasn't a Christian back in my young days, yeah. you ever had a friend that everything they did even when they wasn't being funny, was funny to you. Yeah. You know, smoke some weed or something yeah. and trip off of it. Yeah. That's how he is to be, man. The guy just, he cracks me up all the time. It's the genuineness. Yeah. And he's got a lot of self-deprecating humor as well. He'll make himself the butt of his own joke. Mm. And uh, But that's one of my favorite stories. He came back. Because the fact that he, he remembered to come back, he stayed saying, I'm gay, though. <laughs> <laughs> Trump's a real one, man. That's why I was, yeah, I was, real. I was down. Hey, man, let me ask you a question. I'm gonna ask you a question. All right. To be honest. Okay. Think about how Trump talks, acts over his life. Uh huh. And you had never met him. Yeah. You never know, knew how he looked. Yeah. Would you think he was black? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the swag, talking smack, the bling, the money, the over the top. Hey man, that's what I'm about to say. I don't know why black folks don't like it. You know one thing I find, and I, I said this. Uh-huh. The Democratic Party, this is how we got played. The Democratic Party played blacks, Hispanics, and women. And I'll tell you how. Mm -hmm. They didn't give us during the 2016 campaign, they don't give us one intellectual reason to not vote for Donald Trump. Correct. They give us emotional reasons. Yeah. He hates you. He's a racist. He hates you. He's a racist. Mm -hmm. Don't vote for him. He's a racist. Mm -hmm. For women. He's a sexist and a misogynist. Mm -hmm. Don't vote for him. To Hispanics. He's a racist. Don't vote for him. He's a xenophobic. Yeah. To white men, they talk about the economy. They talk about foreign policy, domestic. They give the white man intellectual reasons to not vote for him. But blacks, Hispanics, and women. They play on our emotions and we fall for it every time. That's a fall form of racism. <laughs> to say these people aren't intellectual people, so we don't have to placate to them intellectually. If you notice, you haven't seen me on Fox and different things as much, only because I told them, I said, man, y'all quit bringing me on here about black stuff. I said, I'm sick every time me some black stuff, y'all come trot me out. Why don't y'all bring me on and ask me what I think about the economy? Why don't y'all bring me on and ask me what I think about Korea or Russia? Why don't y'all bring me on here to talk about something else other than every time it's some black stuff, y'all calling me. No, I ain't going out there. I ain't yeah. taking my time to put my clothes on, shave, and get myself in front of the camera to sit on here because somebody black done did something, or y'all want me to defend the whites against the black. I'm not doing it. So yes. as a result, you don't see me as much no more, but it's my choice. I mean, y'all ain't gonna trot me out there like that because it's more than me than simply black stuff. Yes. You bring me out there to talk about something else other than just black stuff all the time. That's happened to me. They, I was supposed to be invited to a Bitcoin conference and they said, yeah, uh, all right, let's get him out there and, and let's talk about black outreach. And I'm like, why y'all gotta bring me for the black outreach? Like, <laughs> 
I know about monetary <laughs> policy. I know about Thank economics. You. I just wrote a book on the history of money. <laughs> Why I got to be a diversity hire, right? And, Thank and that's that's another form of racism. I'm like, yes, Yo, all, all I'm good for is is to be your token. So again, yeah. like yourself, if y'all talking that black shit, don't invite me. I'm I don't want to be. The, I don't want to just let's talk some real shit. Yeah, because I'm an intellectual too. You gonna respect yeah. me as intellectual too? I, I that shit. You about to get me ranting because that shit hurts my nerves. I'm glad you I mean, said that. It's more to you than that, right? Okay, I'll talk about it when I feel like talking about it. But don't look up and say, "Wait a minute, uh oh, so, some black people rioting and my phone ringing." Uh oh, right. <laughs> Black Lives Matter saying this. My phone ringing. Yeah. Okay, he killed George Floyd. My phone ringing. Okay, Kyle Rittenhouse. I didn't get a call. <laughs> I didn't get a call, my guy. <laughs> and you got it. I'm sure you had a lot to say about that too. <laughs> I didn't get a call, my guy, man. So you know, you get after a while, I'd be like, uh, uh-uh, I'm not doing it. Yeah. yeah, I ain't doing that stuff. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't going out there doing it. I was on the show with um, somebody and on the radio show, and it was myself, my business partner, Kareem, Leo Terrell, Leo and I are friends. Leo, and I, I used to like old Leo. Leo Dunson. Leo 1.0, because me and him used to have some good arguments. Leo Dunson. But now that he came over to this side, Leo is, and then got soft, but they came up and what, I guess they thought I was going to adhere to the party line because they were talking about, is there systemic racism? Mm. And you know, Leo, no, 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 no. And they got to me, Pastor Scott, what do you want to say? I said, hell yeah, systemic racism. <laughs> and you can hear the record scratch. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to say that. Right. You know what I said? I said, if there was no such thing as systemic racism, why was there a need for a first step back? The first step got First Step Act was to correct imbalances in the criminal justice system. Right. Why do we have to have criminal justice reform to target sentencing inequities and inequities with blacks and whites in the criminal justice system if there ain't no systemic racism? Exactly. I said, so, you know, and, and, and it was like, man, don't bring him on here. No. I, it was shockwaves because they just expected me to automatically agree with the Republican Party line that there is no such thing as systemic racism. And I yeah. wasn't going for it. I had that happen one time in an interview, white boy. I told him I dealt with racism in the workplace. And he started to refute me. So I pulled the trick on him and I said, they were Democrats. And he goes, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, then yeah. So it was no racism in your mind until I was able to politicize it in your mind. Now you saw an opportunity for yourself to score a point because this is your opposition party. So now it's like, oh, yeah, racism is this because they did it. Man, last week, right, I saw a vehicle online that I like. And I said, I should get it. The dealership is at, it's not too far from me. Mm-hmm. And I called him and said I was going to come down and look at it, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I went up there. And uh, I asked him before I got there, I said, man, make sure the car is on the premises. Because, you know, I want to see it. I like it. If I like it, I might get it, right? So uh, I go up there, and I go up there just like I got my hoodie on, my hat turned backwards, my hoodie on, some Nikes. I'm going in there like that. Yeah, regular. I go down. It's over in a a, a white privileged neighborhood. Mm -hmm. One of them kind. Then maybe they see a black dude over in their neighborhood about once every other week or so. 
Right. So when I roll up in there and I look around and it's all white salesmen, all white everything, which I have no problem. And I go in there, man, I'm looking for, I'm Daryl Scott and I called about this certain car and he's looking at me, uh, okay, um, can you have a seat? And I said, okay, man, but look, I'm telling you now, I want to be up here all day. I ain't for hanging out in no car. You know how it is you go to a car. Yeah, yeah. Because usually I, I get something online and just have them ship it to the house from around the country or something, right? So I'm sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. And I'm like, man, what's taking? I'm the only, and I'm the only black dude in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty soon, the guy, after about 10 minutes, he come and he bring a black dude to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is Raymond. <laughs> this is Raymond. Our um, uh, uh, man, I'm talking about he's a, 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 a salesman in training. Oh, man. Because I'm black, and they don't even realize. They don't. And he come, well, the car's not here right now. We have it in the body shop. If I was going to, hey, man, I'm, I'm out, man. I'm out. I'm gone. <laughs> Y'all told me the car was here. Man, I ain't got to sit up here. I ain't talk. No, and they, they just told you the thing. car was there. You bring this up. But I know why they bought him to me. And you know what? The way the guy was dressed, I said, man, where y'all get this dude? Y'all went over to clean up and the maintenance and clean up and when he got this dude to bought him in here, it's a matter of a job. But they, you know what they did? They sized me up because of my appearance. Yeah. Because I'm dressed like I got a they think t-shirt it ain't gonna on, be no sweatpants, half turned backwards. And they looked and sized me up and figured, you ain't, know, ain't that no money I was, to be made here. Right. And the dog on the car cost $130,000. Hmm. So, I tell you, that we're but but they told you the car was there. Yeah, they told me it was there. And then I get there. They said, oh, it's not here. It won't be back till Friday or something. <laughs> Y'all lost the sale. <laughs> and so it's stories like that. You, why you got to go get the black dude for me? Right. right. <laughs> this yeah. little young boy behind the ears. I could sell him a car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dude was about 19 years old. And there was no disrespect to him. He was just a pawn in the game. Right. You know right. what I mean? Right. The Democrats do it the same way, too, where they run and go get entertainers, but they never go get anybody else to talk to us. Like we yeah, you're right. Like, we don't have no, like, real black intellectuals that people lean on and say, like, what are you going to pull out? Uh, the communist uh, uh, Cornell West, who I admire. <laughs> I admire him. But it's like they go through the same people, like Cornell West, Mike Eric Dyson, and then now they got the people. <laughs> Michael Eric Dyson's wife joined the National Diversity Coalition for Trump with me back in 2015, and then Negro threatened to divorce her if she didn't quit it. How about that for some tea to drink? His How about wife that? joined? She joined the National Diversity Coalition for Trump under me. She joined it with me, came to me. I talked to her, she joined it. Then she called me back a little while later and had to quit because her husband said, if you don't quit, I'm divorcing you. I had a conversation with Roland Martin before when he kept on with that. Where's Trump's plan? Where's Trump's plan? Where's Trump's plan? I said, man, where's your plan? <laughs> I said, why don't I said, why don't you? I said, first of all, you know what I said to him when he kept on saying, where's Trump's plan for black America? Mm. I said, man, you say the dude a racist? Why do you want racist to put together a plan for some black dude? That's what I said. Yeah. That don't mean no I said, sense. that's number one. I said, but why don't you, Cornell West, Tavis Smiley, Michael Ed Dyson, why don't y'all put y'all's money together? Right. And y'all do a plan for black America. Right. Instead of keep sitting up whining about what somebody else ain't doing for black community. Right. Y'all do it. Right. To meet them Cornell Westham, that's all they are talk. Yeah. What's yeah. the what's the other boy's name? Uh, Mark Lamont Hill then. <laughs> Mark Lamont Hill gonna call us mediocre Negroes, then I called him a little color boy and he got mad. 
Yeah. I said, look, little color boy. <laughs> you look color boy to me. You look color boy. You know? <laughs> yeah. I ain't the one. They, they tried out the same old faces over and over again. But they're all talk. Yeah. Why don't you guys, why don't y'all go to Oprah and Obama and all them and get the money and y'all do a plan for the black community? Yeah. Yeah, they got a lot of entertainment co connections and they can connect with all the rappers and singers they want. Yeah. Man, Jones trying to do a few things. Okay. I talked to him from time to time. I bust his chops when uh, Jeff Bezos gave him that money. I called him up. I said, hey, Negro, what, man, pay your tithes to my church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. 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 How much did he get from Bezos? $100 million. Told him he could do anything he wanted to do with it. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I called him up. Hey, man, bring me out. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kidding, though. I know. I know. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, but he's he, got to do something for the black community with that. Yeah. He's doing a lot of things as okay. far as prison reform. And he's got a heart for, you know, incarcerated folks and stuff like that. So he's putting the money to work. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. That's the good. thing I didn't like, though, and I told them at the White House, I said, man, don't bring that Negro up here no more. Because, you know, I mean, and I told him, too. I told him, man, first place I told him, don't bring him up there. You know what he did? Behind the scenes. Oh, he was jeffing. He was jeffing for Trump and then big time. Mm. And then he go out there in public and throw him under the bus. Mm. You want to you hear something funny before I go? Mm -hmm. I'm show you how this guy is. Okay. We were at the White House for the signing of the First Step Act. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. This dude, so we're in the back first in the Oval Office, right? I even, I even have a picture I can show you uh, of us standing there, took a picture. And so we're standing here and Van Jones is standing there a little bit in front of me. And so they had the cameras there and the camera was panning, right? And Van already tall, he's about six, two, six, two and a half. Mm. And whenever the camera would pan back towards him, you know what that Negro did? He was standing up on his tiptoes. <laughs> and when the camera would go past, he would go down. I told Kareem, I said, man, look at this dude. Look at this clown, man. So, <laughs> the camera would come, he'd go up on his tiptoes, and then, you know, then the camera could. <laughs> Try not to be seen. But he was going up on his tiptoes to be seen. Oh, to be seen. He was standing on his tippy toes when the camera would get there so he would be taller than other people so he could be seen. Oh, wow. So when the camera came, he would go up on his tiptoes so he could be seen. And when the camera was, he could, so we get outside, right, for the public announcement. And we're all standing here behind the podium. And Van is standing there, right? <laughs> Myself, Kareem, me, him, me, Kareem, John Smith, Van, about the only blacks on stage. And Different senators, Doug Collins, Lindsey Graham, all these guys, right? <laughs> so right before the media, you know, the media was out there, April Ryan and all, you know, all of the camera crew. And I said, Van, we was about to go to me, I said, Van. And I said it loud, joking. I said, Van, you better not let CNN see you on here, man. You're gonna get in trouble. And we all started laughing, right? So I look around, we're doing some stuff, we're talking, and then we look back. And this man standing out there on the other side, <laughs> grinning at us and waving. <laughs> you know, you say, nigga, you ain't. Thank you, he's right. Like, thanks oh, for the heads up. I'm gonna shake my head, man. You ain't crap, man. 
He, what I said, he heard it and he bounced, man. But we were like, look, we look, I look. He sat on the other side laughing and, and, and waiting. <laughs> he got out from behind that. He when that. I said that, all I could say was, man, you, <laughs> you ain't crap, man. That's all you can say. <laughs> Shake your hand and start laughing. I'm there, look at this dude, man. <laughs> We're going to have to get him nominated for a grifty. I, but you know what? It's some worse ones than him. Put it this way. Okay. Yeah. 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 But you can nominate him, yeah. 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 Uh, he might be I'll, up there I'll see if we can get him to appear. In. I'll see if he can come on it up. Uh, he, but he's trying, you know. He's not a bad guy. Right. One on one. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, I, I understand. I understand how it is. You know what I'm saying? Some people got our blackness still connects us. Yeah. But he trying, you know, he got a job to do, man. He got a career. He got to look out for himself. You know what I'm saying? So I ain't mad at him. You're right. Like people have done way worse stuff. Way worse stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Pastor Daryl Scott. Yo. Epic interview. Thanks for having me, man. Epic. I got to go. I'm getting text to say where you at. All but right. I appreciate it. We're going to do it again. I'm going to get you on. Come on with me. All right. I'll be there. God bless you. All right. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, my God. The interview I just got. Oh, my God. The epicness. The epicness of said interview. I'm trying to fix my camera on the fly. Oh my God. I'm going to get this interview up on SoundCloud, Apple, all of that stuff. We got to get this one out to the masses. Amazing. Another classic. I know, I know 99% of my interviews are classic. I'm not even going to say it's because of me. I think it's because I know how to pick good guests. I know how to pick guests I'm actually interested in. I'm not just doing this because like, oh, this person's popular. But I'm picking really good people. And and he's an amazing individual. And he gave, I didn't have to do anything. Let's be honest. I didn't have to do anything in that interview. He gave me gems upon gems. Yes, Trish, imagine the story he couldn't tell on air. I can't wait to hang out with him and get all the good all the good juice. But he gave me like, thank you, Pastor Scott. You you get that was a gift. He gave me an epic interview. I can't wait to get this out. Um, I got Tamika coming up here soon. I got some good, good, good guests lined up coming. I've been um, scheduling some good ones. So um, I got Kim Clayson coming up here. That's going to be another good one. Um, so look out for that. I'm Hotep Jesus, as you already know. Hotep's been told you every Thursday. I'll be back. Make sure you check the channel too for other, subscribe to this one and then look at the other channels you should subscribe to. We got partner channels as well. But I'm out of here. Y'all be safe.